Hello and welcome to the Almost LA Podcast. My name is Aiden. My name is Audra. How was your week? Um, good. I feel like we've been podcasting every other day. I know. <laughs> how was how your weekend with all your eyeshadow you've been wearing all weekend? So tiring. I mean, Are you s- I've been going to way too many Halloween parties. The Halloween parties have to, sl- people have to stop. Especially in LA, people like getting dressed up way too much. It's very, honestly, very annoying. Well, you don't have to participate. That's what I do. I know I don't have to, but also like it's kind of fun. So well, there you go. Then don't complain. That's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you're supposed to do it while you can. Yeah. And then get tired um, of it. Be a part. I literally just woke up, so that's amazing. Oh, I just had I just had a good sandwich from downstairs. Really interesting topic. <laughs> what kind of sandwich was it? It was very weird. I've never eaten something like this before. It was a grilled cheese sandwich, but it had like egg and like scrambled egg and like maybe like little sausage or bacon pieces in it and then uh, and then they just give you a side of ketchup and you just dip it in the ketchup so it was an egg sandwich yes (laughs) but it was more like a grilled cheese with egg in it and then you dip it in ketchup oh my god maybe we are the dumbest people ever I've never had anything like that before. My breakfast is scrambled eggs, hash browns, like Cholula all over the whole thing. I'm, I don't eat I'm slightly like, offended because I have a feeling I made that for you a ton when you were a kid. Anyway, let's go to something dark because I'm still in Halloween mode. <laughs> oh, let's go to something dark. Yeah, let's change it up and go to something dark. <laughs> let's change it up and go to something. This is actually, well, yeah, this is kind of dark. And while you're still wearing eye makeup from your Halloween costume, we might as well keep it going, right? November. Yeah, I'm in the I'm in the LH. Everybody wears eye makeup now. Shawn Mendes wears eye makeup to all his shows. It's all, it's all chilling. Oh, okay. Well, so do I. Um, I'm Shawn Mendes, basically, <laughs> is what I'm saying. Shawn Mendes. Who's Shawn yeah. Mendes? You don't know who Shawn I'm Mendes just, is? I'm just kidding. Oh, I just wanted to seem really like, old. Damn. Okay, today we're going to talk about Mark Hansen of the Hansons. You know that boy band? No. I'm just kidding. The Hansons? <laughs> what? just kidding. Okay. Do we need to start over? Is this really, really, really bad? No. Okay. We're, no, we're going to talk about the Black Dahlia suspect and nightclub owner, Mark Hansen. So let's kind of get a little background on this. So on December 28th, 1938, a new type of restaurant opened at 5955 Hollywood Boulevard called the Florentine Gardens. And it's still there and it still looks basically the same. It's like kind of a Moorish looking long building on Hollywood Boulevard. Go buy it right now. Uh, This restaurant uh, didn't want to charge high dinner prices or a cover charge. Uh, There was a half page ad in the LA Times uh, the day of the opening and it called itself a half million dollar experiment. The original owner, mm. now bear with me, when me, and, me and my my names, Guido, it's either Brassini or Bracchini, B-R-A-C-C-I-N-I. It's, it's Guido Brassini. <laughs> Brassini would only charge $3.50, and then another $50. $3.50 per person. Why do I keep saying that? $3.50 per person mm-hmm. uh, or a fixed $1 a la carte menu and Saturdays was $1.50. And it would have nightly entertainment including dance music, concert music, a floor show with partially nude dancers and the Flying Herzog's Trapeze Act. I'm wondering where all these like naked dancing girls 
restaurants and venues went because I don't see any of those anymore. <laughs> well, if there's somebody that's half naked and you're in a Denny's, you should probably leave. Well, I think right now, don't you can't you walk into any club and half the people are naked anyway? Well, that's true, but that's because uh, people's outfits have changed. Right, now well, everybody's getting naked. So, so oh, maybe that's what it is. Everybody's getting naked now, so there's no point in having naked dancers. Why pay, uh, something yeah. to show off? Why pay for just it normal. when random yeah. people just it's show free. up half naked? Right. There you go. So he thought this concept would make L.A. the restaurant capital of the world. That was his goal. Oh, wow. The Emile Baffer... Is, or- is, sorry, is L.A. the restaurant capital of the world? Absolutely not. Like, what, where's the best place for food other than, like... Italy? No, Europe. Okay. Yeah. France. Paris. You know, whatever. Uh, that's just my personal take on that. The Emile Baffa Orchestra was, a po- was popular and performed nightly, and that was broadcast on the NBC radio, which radio was hugely popular. There were stations all over Los Angeles at the time. And the place was packed almost nightly with 500 people at the very beginning. And this was not where, like, Hollywood exclusive people went. They still liked to kind of go to Ciro's and, you know, the places like that where the mob kind of, um, you know, went to. And there was, it was dark and there were corners and booths and you, d- you kind of separated from each other. This was more like 1942... Norma Jean Baker and her first husband Jim Doherty had their honeymoon actually not their honeymoon it was their wedding reception was there and this was before Norma Jean became Marilyn Monroe so this was kind of like your everyday you know person who wanted to be part of like the Hollywood scene went to this restaurant and could see music and stuff like that so Brassiani's Brassini's sorry ad also stated that quote if I fail I'll fail quickly which he did so a couple years later, by 1941, Frank Brunei and part owner Mark Hansen took over, and they started to bring in bigger-name entertainers of the day, um, like Paul Whitman's orchestra singer Sophie Tucker, who was also known as the last of the Red Hot Mamas, and she was kind of a <laughs> comedian singer. The Red Hot Mamas. She's a Red Hot Mama. Uh, comedian and former vaudeville star Willie Howard and actress, singer-dancer Yvonne DiCarlo. So with Brunei and Hansen came some scandals, including the hiring of underage dancers. So oh, it's not that the girls of like 14, 15, 16 couldn't dance half nude at the club. It's just that their parents needed to get them proper permits, which the club Ooh. owners were not getting. So the garden and parents were being hit with uh, labor law charges at the time in the 40s. But by 1947, a much bigger scandal unfolded, and Florentine Gardens uh, part owner, Mark Hansen, became the prime suspect in the Black Dahlia murder. So I'm going to play. So apparently there's a new singer out. Her name's Sophie Tucker, spelled totally different. Um, This is the old school Sophie Tucker, and this is from a performance live in London from 1930. Red Hot Mama. A real hot pucker song. Now get your ears full. Where, oh, where is that Mr. Wright? Will he ever come along? I've been searching day and night, and all I find is Mr. Wright. 
There you go. There's Sophie Tucker. Like 1940s rap. <laughs> yeah. She kind of sing talks. That's kind of it's her like, style. It's like theater, theatrical or almost. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, she has a very powerful voice, too. Yeah. Um, okay. So Elizabeth Short, you know, the, you do know about the Black Dolly murders, the most famous, infamous, I would say, murder, unsolved murder in Los Angeles history. Do you know much about it? You've definitely, you've definitely watched something about it or listened to something about it and then told me all about it before. <laughs> of course I have. For sure. Yeah. When you were eight, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in an, in a, yeah. At an inappropriate age. <laughs> okay. In a Denny's. <laughs> Why Denny's? Okay. I really like Denny's. Gross. Okay, so Elizabeth Short was last seen on January 9th, 1947, after her married boyfriend, who lived in San Diego, oh. dropped her off at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown Los Angeles. Short was to be meeting her sister there, who was visiting from Boston. So she's, Elizabeth Short's a mass girl. Um, Elizabeth used the phone in the lobby to call someone, we don't know who, and then was seen at the Crown Grill Cocktail Lounge about a half mile from the Biltmore, supposedly. There are people that claim that she was there, um, but there's a lot of people that claimed a lot of things during this investigation. So six days later, around 10 a.m. on the January 15th, a woman who was walking her dog in Lamert Park neighborhood thought she saw a mannequin lying on, you know, in the vacant lot area. This was a very under undeveloped uh, neighborhood at the time. There was a lot of, you know, kind of bare areas and houses kind of popping up here and there, but it was pretty undeveloped. But what she saw was actually Elizabeth's horribly mutilated body. Uh, she was completely severed at the waist, which they will call bisected, which was actually a new, not new, but it was a medical technique that was taught in the 30s. So if it was a medical person that did this, it was a fairly new thing that was being taught. Mm. Her upper body and her lower body were about a foot apart from each other. Ooh. Her intestines were underneath her bottom. And her body was posed very famously. Her hands were up above her head at right angles. And her legs were in a very sexually explicit position with her knees bent up like towards her shoulder. So she was very exposed. Her mouth was cut three inches on each side, making her look like the Joker. That's a modern kind of look if you're thinking about that. And this smile is called the Glasgow smile. So this type of wound originated in Scotland at roughly the 20s or 30s, but became popular with English street gangs as well in the, in the 40s, 30s and 40s. Um, the medical examiner determined that her mouth was cut while she was still alive, and her body was completely drained of blood and washed clean with gasoline. So there was absolutely no forensic oh evidence that God. they could find. And she had been dead for only about 10 hours. So... You know, nobody knows where she was for that six days. If she was being held, that's being speculated that she was held for that long. But I don't really think that she was tortured. She was kind of beaten a little bit around her head. Um, But, you know, nobody really knows what happened to her. So another six days later, on the 21st, a phone call was placed to the paper, the examiner, by a man congratulating the paper on their coverage of the murder and told them to, quote, expect some souvenirs of Beth Shorts in the mail. He called her Beth, which is what her friends usually did, which was what Mark Hansen eventually would do. Three days later on the 24th, an envelope arrived at the examiner, and in it was Elizabeth Shorts' birth certificate, business cards, photos, a paper with some names listed on it, and an address book with a name embossed in gold on the cover, and that name was Mark Hansen's. The address book contains 75 names of prominent Hollywood people, 
and Hansen told police later that he had given her the address book as a gift. So these items um, of Elizabeth's had been stored at a Greyhound bus depot in a locker in Los Angeles. Um, so whoever had killed her had either taken the key from her or was in the possession of her key at some point before her murder. Um, everything in the envelope was also cleaned with gasoline. There were some fingerprints that they actually could lift um, off some of the items, but unfortunately they were compromised while being transported to the FBI's lab, which mm. sucks. Later that day, um, Elizabeth's purse and shoes were found on top of a trash bin a couple miles from, um, actually pretty close, about a mile away from where her body was actually found. And those items had also been cleaned with gasoline. Uh, Hansen was the one that actually identified her purse and shoes. Elizabeth Short uh, had stayed at Hansen's home for two weeks in October before her murder and for 10 days in November of 1946. She was known to leave her suitcases with him at times while she was traveling. She would kind of stop by and say, hey, can I leave my suitcase here? He'd be like, yeah, and she'd take off and then come back and, you know, whatever. Um, she didn't have a permanent place to stay in L.A., so she was kind of bouncing around and she would go to San Diego a lot because that's where her boyfriend was um, or the guy that she was dating at the time. And she was also dating other men in the area. And I don't know if it's really called dating, but she was kind of entertaining other people um, at this time. Her murder was on the front page of the paper for 35 days straight, which is absolutely unheard of. Um, and the examiner actually started receiving many cryptic letters that were cut out um, from magazines, supposedly from the killer. I don't think they know if it was all from the same person or maybe some more copies, but it's, um, I'll post something on the internet, but there's those classic, like, you know, an M from a magazine and an OP mm -hmm. from, you know, whatever. 60 people confessed to her murder during the initial investigation. Um, 25 of those people, well, not 25 of the confessed people, but 25 people were considered viable suspects and Mark Hansen was one of them. So Hansen was a native of Denmark and he moved to America in 1919 and became a popular nightclub and theater owner in the Hollywood area. In the 30s, Hansen moved to a bungalow at 6024 Carlos Avenue, which was behind the Florentine Gardens. So he was very close to that one nightclub. So it is presumed that when Elizabeth Short was staying at his house and living kind of in that area that she was um, at the Florentine Gardens entertaining troops and probably dancing and, and uh, meeting people there. Hansen was 57 at the time of the murder and newly separated from his wife. They never divorced. Um, and this was the house that she stayed at, as I said, before her murder. And I don't, I think she was known to be at another hotel at the time that they looked into. So she was kind of back and forth between Hansen's and this hotel before she died. Hansen's longtime friend and sometimes roommate, who was also friends with Elizabeth Short, her name was Ann Toth. And this is how Hansen met Short was through Ann Toth. She was interviewed and told police that Hansen really liked Elizabeth and that he was crazy about her and also jealous of all her male relationships. He told her, um, Elizabeth, when she was staying at his house, that she couldn't have her male friends at his house, so she would have to drop, be dropped off at the bottom of the street or on the corner somewhere uh, because he didn't want any other males coming to his home. And when they police finally interviewed Hansen, 
He stated that Short was nice, but he had no interest in her. He also made other kind of contradictory statements to the police over time because he was interviewed a few times and also brought in for by you know to be viewed by witnesses or whatever in lineups as well. He told police he um, that sh- that Short, as I said before, often showed up at his place, asking to leave her things with him. Um, so I don't know if maybe that was if he did do it if that's how he got the key to her locker maybe I don't know he also said that um, she told Hanson before she died that she was scared of someone but he didn't push her on who this was or ask her who it was he was kind of acting to the police that he was like annoyed by her at this point so he didn't really care that she was scared he just said that he basically didn't want her to come back to his house anymore Um, so at this time in Hollywood during the war and kind of right after the war it was very common for women like Elizabeth to date men for money and it wasn't really prostitution in any way because it wasn't really like a sexual thing changing hands servicemen um, would get in free at places like the Florentine Gardens for their service you know the country and when they would get there they would pay women um, to dance or have dinner with them and then they would just take them home or meet them late you know they would never see them again or move on to another girl it was just kind of a very common thing to do so today it sounds kind of like oh is she doing something shady but it was what a lot of women that needed money and couldn't get work other places like waitressing or acting jobs or whatever that's what they would kind of do um, and this is we think what she was maybe doing to make ends meet while she was kind of bouncing around from housing to hotels so some people believe Hanson murdered her because she he was obsessed with her and she probably was rebuffing him and other believes that she he might have hired someone to help him murder her because she had possibly found out about a hotel scam that he was in on, which we'll talk about in a second. So in October 1948, a man named Leslie Dillon, who had lived in Los Angeles during the short murder, contacted our old friend that we talked about in the Inglewood murders, if you remember, mm-hmm. Dr. J. Paul De River River, if you're from New Orleans. Um, Dylan told DeRiver he had theories about the case because he was interested in sadism and sexual psychopaths. <laughs> you know, just randomly call somebody and say, hey, man, <laughs> super into sexual psychopaths. He was also con- trying to be a writer, supposedly. So that's why he was like, I'm going to write about this. I'm going to I want to pick your brain about like sadism and stuff. So DeRiver's like spidey senses kind of went off and he was like started to ask him some questions and at the time Dylan was living in Florida and he'd asked him to come to LA to meet him but Dylan like was adamantly not wanting to come to LA for a very long time he eventually did um, but he was very being very sketchy about coming back to Los Angeles so Dylan claimed to deliver that he had a friend named Jeff Connors who killed Elizabeth Short so DeRiver at the time, after kind of some interviewing and after Dylan did come to L.A., they could not find out who Jeff, this Jeff Connors was. At first, they thought that he just did not exist. And DeRiver believed Dylan had actually killed Elizabeth Short and this Connors person was his alter ego. So, um, remember, I said Hanson made Elizabeth's male's friends drop her off on the corner. Well, when Dylan was arrested finally in L.A., they asked Hanson if he could identify him because earlier when Hanson and Ann Toth were being interviewed by police, they had described her at one point as being with a tall man with a prominent Adam's apple. 
and this description kind of fit Dylan. So shortly after Hansen became a suspect, they also had wired his house. And during some of the conversations on those tapes, Hansen mentioned Jeff Connors. But in those tapes, he said Jeff Connors' real name was Artie Loy, but he sometimes went by Artie Lane. So this gets a little confusing, and I'm not going to go into it too much because nothing really came of it. But Hansen said Dylan looked familiar but couldn't be entirely sure if that was him. And this all eventually kind of came to a dead end, but they all remained on the suspect list. So Dylan and Hansen kind of remain suspects to this day. So this whole Connors, like Jeff Connors, Dylan, Artie, Lane thing, some people think they might all be different people and have nothing to do with each other, or they're just randomly their names got involved and nothing came of it, or they think Dylan was using all these aliases and it was actually him the whole time pretending to be mm. Jeff Connors and Artie Lane, so if that makes sense. So in 2017, a book called Black Dahlia Red Rose by Pute Eatwell claims that Hansen and Leslie Dillon, who is a tw- at the time a s- 27 and a hotel bellhop and also a former mortician's assistant interestingly Mm. enough so Ewell claims that Dylan and Hanson killed Elizabeth Short at the Astor Hotel which was a group of little cabins and Dylan used to live at the Astor Hotel so that's why that connection is there apparently on January 15th the day of Elizabeth Short's murder the hotel owners found one of the cabins covered in blood and fecal matter witnesses at the hotel at the time claimed they thought they saw Elizabeth with a man resembling Hanson and Dylan's part in this whole hotel scam is he said that what he was doing at the time what he was get a bellhop job stay at the hotel a bit, get the lay of the land, find out where all the money is or all the jewels that people would leave in in, um, safes behind, you know, the lobby or wherever. And then he would quit the job and then go back and rob the place. Um, And this is something he actually got busted for later on down the line too. So that was actually something he was doing. But in 1949, crime techs tried to find blood at the Astor Hotel cabins and found nothing. Although it was 1947 and I don't think they had the means to really find what they were looking for um so it'd be interesting to see if they had done it today if they'd actually find yeah, anything probably. um and mark hansen also had very well-known police connections police frequented many of his clubs and did a lot of shady things and hansen had a lot of dirt on them so some people think that if he was actually involved that it was covered up at some point or just kind of dropped so i'm going and to those play fingerprints prints were like just destroyed on the way and destroyed too yeah i'm not sure what happened there and i couldn't find it It just says uh, they were compromised so i don't know if somebody like saw the fingerprints was like oh and they just like rubbed their hands all over the fingerprints yeah oh no oh no my fingerprints smudged all that so the month that elizabeth short was murdered uh bing crosby's song i can't begin to tell you was number one on the charts so i'm going to play this right now it's a little eerie too I 
There you go. All these songs seem ripe for creepy mur- it seems, murders. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> seems like a creepy murder scene in a movie. Right. Yeah, is there any movies about this? A million, yeah. And a oh, lot of really? documentaries. Yeah, you can go down a tremendous rabbit hole, and this is like literally a drop in the bucket of numerous suspects, numerous stories, books, documentaries, movies. Well, who do you think did it? I have no idea. Well, really? uh, there's a... Oh, we can talk about this later, but there's a Hodel is one of the this uh, crazy dude who um, his grandson, I believe, was a LAPD officer. And he's written or written a book thinking that he his grandfather was the one that did it. And he owned um, he owns a very historic house, uh, Frank Lloyd Wright House in L.A. Oh. Um, but that's probably the most talked about at this point. But some people think that that's crazy town. So I, I, I don't know. Obviously, it was somebody who was very deranged i don't think it was a club owner yeah. that had like no you know i don't think it was hansen but i think it's he's obviously tied up in some crazy stuff yeah so hansen's troubles unfortunately didn't end there the florentine gardens closed in 1948 and sat empty until the 50s and it kind of changed hands several times and had name changes but today the florentine gardens um, name has been restored to it so it does say florentine gardens on the outside and it's now an 18 and over Latin dance club. So maybe that's what you can do mm. next weekend, Aiden, is you can hang out at the mm. Florentine Gardens. Yeah. Also in 1948, Hansen's theater, the Marcal, which he opened in 1925, mysteriously burned down. And he received $75,000 in damages through insurance, which I'm sure helped him with all his troubles that were going on. Mm-hmm. And then in 1949, Hansen again was in the papers in yet another scandal with another woman. And her name was... Lolo Titus and she was a striptease dancer and taxi dancer so a taxi dancer is a name for a girl who would go to the clubs and get one dollar to dance for one song so it was a dollar per song per dance she was from San Francisco and she had gotten into a fight with her mother about her lifestyle and her real name was Beverly Alice Bennett and Lola decided she was going to take a bus to Hollywood, and she had made up her mind about Mr. Mark Hansen. She said, quote, that he was either going to love me, marry me, or take care of me, or I was going to kill him. Oh, okay. She also stated that she believed he had been the Black Dahlia murderer. Mm. So after a night-long bus ride, she ended up on Hansen's doorstep at none other than his Carlos Avenue home where Elizabeth Short lived. And friends of Hansen had said that she had been pestering him for about a year about a striptease job at one of his clubs, which he was not obviously giving her. And despite this, Hansen let her in and she undressed and showed him two nude photos of herself, which police later found at the apartment. Um, they went into the bedroom and this is from the paper. And presumably they had sex, but the paper just says, quote, later he went to the bathroom to shave. (laughs) So it says they went to the bedroom and then later they went to the bedroom to shave. So while he was shaving, she went back to get her gun, which she had purchased seven months prior and she had been keeping in her coat. And she walked up behind him and shot him once in the back. The bullet went through his lung and just missed his heart by seven tenths of an inch. She got dressed and left while he was staggering to a phone. So two hours later, while he was 
recovering at the hospital with a bunch of blood um, transfusions and getting surgery, uh, she called the police from some place on Hollywood and whatever and turned herself in. And they went and picked her up and they booked her into jail. In the papers, she's described as heavily rouged, plump, and they always refer to her as the blonde instead of her name. So they're like, and then the blonde did this, and then the blonde did that, and the blonde testified at this. They never really use her name, which I thought was an interesting 40s way of reporting. And Hansen is described repeatedly as, quote, a man about town. <laughs> okay. The man about town testified today. Hansen said that when Titus shot him, she called him a, quote, goddamn cop lover. And some speculate that she said this because when he was being interviewed during the Dahlia murders, he gave police Titus's name and some information on her. And during sh- the short investigation, Lola was listed as, quote, friend of short, never thoroughly quizzed. So that's kind of a weird tie there as well. Okay, well, clearly she killed the girl because he was obsessed with the girl and she was obsessed with him and it was just a it was just a random she just went crazy yeah well she, she sounds like she's crazy there you go so titus testified that she met hansen uh the year before during thanksgiving 1948 and mm. immediately moved into his home for a week where they had numerous intimate moments she told the judge quote i could recall every one of them if you had the time so what did the judge do he immediately ordered the jury of nine women and three men out of court so Titus could answer any and all questions that they had about all these intimate moments. <laughs> okay, very important. <laughs> yes, very important. Twice during the trial, she was in a detention holding room and undressed and was found nude, and she thoroughly embarrassed the bailiff, and that okay. was reported in the papers. And at another point in the trial, the judge was doubting her sanity, probably after all these times she was undressing, and ordered her um, to have a psychiatric exam. This completely threw her into a freak out, and she threw herself at a female probation officer and struck her twice in the face before four people wrestled her to the ground and out of the courtroom as she was screaming and fighting. And there's a fantastic picture that I can post from the paper where she is being, like, wrangled out of the courtroom, and she's, like being manhandled and screaming her head off i feel badly for actually um while waiting awaiting her sentencing she told deputies she was going to commit suicide um so of course they did absolutely nothing and she tried to commit suicide so she took her cotton stockings and hanged herself from a cell ventilator on the 13th floor eerie she survived and they placed her in a padded cell I think that is all enough of a psychiatric evaluation to call her completely insane. (laughs) She sounds crazy. Right. Well, she obviously had some mental issues. Yeah. Um, And back then, they just stuck you in a woman's mental institution and said, that's that. And that's exactly what happened, because I literally can find nothing about her since after that. It's like they they said in the padded cell is their term in the paper, that they placed her in a padded cell. That was from the paper, a quote. And after that, you can't find anything about her. She, like, disappears. So I'm assuming she probably stayed there indefinitely. Yeah. So when the police were actually searching Hansen's house the day of the shooting, police took the opportunity to look for blood in other rooms and some other evidence that may finally link him to Elizabeth Short's murder, but they found absolutely nothing. So even a couple years later in 49, they were still had him on the suspect list and any opportunity they could get to search something they did. And to date, a total of 500 people have confessed to the crime of killing Elizabeth Short. 
Um, some of the people that have confessed hadn't even been born when the murders had been taking place. Mm-hmm. So it's a very high-profile um, case that I think just people that get kind of stuck on this get fascinated with. Um, Mark Hansen died of natural causes in 1964. And I am going to play a very fitting song that was the number one song the month that Hansen was shot. It's by Perry Como called Some Enchanted Evening. And that is the story of Mark Hansen, the Florentine Gardens, which is still there, Black Dahlia, and Lola Titus. Awesome. That was great. Awesome. All right. Here is Perry Como. Thanks for listening, guys. And we will try to get some more thankful, giving, Thanksgiving (laughs) episodes this November. All right. Talk to you later. Thank you. again